0: Welcome to Talk with the Doc, the show where we bring your questions to medical experts for insight and information. I'm your host, Mary Ranoff, and here with me today is Katie Mache, a health educator with Inland Northwest Health Services in Spokane, Washington. Today, we're answering your questions about smoking cessation and how to finally kick the habit for good. Remember, everyone, many of our questions come from our listeners on social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health System. Use the hashtag Talk with the Doc for a chance to hear your questions in our episodes. Before we start, I want our listeners to know that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult a healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. So let's get started by welcoming our expert today. Hello, Katie. Hi, Mary. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. We're going to start with the really easiest question you're going to have of the day, which is tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do.
1: Okay. Uh, well, my name is Katie Mache. Uh Like Mary said, I am a health educator at INHS Community Wellness. Um, we're located in Spokane, Washington. So I teach a variety of classes here at INHS, including um, quite a few weight management courses, uh, tobacco cessation, blood pressure self-management, and then <clears throat> also some CPR and first aid courses. And then I occasionally assist with other services like Biometric health screenings and body composition testing.
0: So you don't do much, just a couple of things here and there.
1: Just a couple of things.
0: <laughs> well, talk to talk to our listeners a little bit though. How Inland Northwest Health Services is related or affiliated with Providence?
1: Yeah. So IHS is just a service line of Providence, where we are a part of Providence now. Um, so we are just kind of the community wellness division. So we offer a variety of programs and services to the community. Um, Some of those classes I mentioned earlier, and then um, some other programs as well, like diabetes education, babysitting classes for 10 to 15 year olds, which is fun. Um, And then we also offer EMT and paramedic programs.
0: Oh my gosh, I remember taking babysitting classes when I was younger, and I really hope that they're more informative now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I hope so too.
0: (laughs) Well, I know that one of the classes you work with and one of the programs is smoking cessation, which is why we're here today. So talk to me a little bit about what that program looks like, how long it's been around,
1: who it's good for. Um, Yeah. So our smoking cessation program is called Quit for Good. And, you know, I'm not exactly sure how long it's been around. Long before I started here and I've been here for eight years. So it's been around quite some time. Um, And it is good for anybody that's really using tobacco it is tailored more towards um, people who are smoking cigarettes and then um, vaping as well um, since those two are very similar so it i think it's more helpful for people that are actually smoking versus someone who is using chewing tobacco but we do have people join the course that use um chewing tobacco or other types of tobacco and they have found it helpful
0: I don't know if this question is something you can answer or not, but we've actually been hearing kind of an uptick of people who are trying to stop smoking marijuana. Are you seeing that at all in your clinic?
1: Yeah, those people do come through. Unfortunately, I don't have the training or expertise to counsel people on quitting uh, marijuana. I know that the Spokane Regional Health District has a very specific tobacco and marijuana program, so I tend to refer people um, over there. I'm not exactly sure what they can do for people who are trying to quit uh, marijuana. But I don't know that the effects of tobacco and the effects of marijuana are similar. Um, this, you know, studies are still coming in on that. So I typically don't counsel people on quitting marijuana.
0: Well, since you kind of focus more on tobacco, which you mentioned, talk to me a little bit about what everybody asked us, which is why is it so hard to quit smoking?
1: yeah um i actually like to address this question because i find that people have a lot of shame about quitting and past quit attempts and i just really see no shame in in any quit attempt i think any quit attempt is a step forward even if it even if you return to smoking later so i i think as a tobacco educator that quitting is so difficult for most people because there are actually two things that you have to quit um you have to quit your drug addiction to nicotine, and then also your psychological addiction, or maybe we would call it the habit of smoking, uh, smoking itself. So I have found that people find the most success when they use nicotine replacement therapy, so that they can deal with the psychological addiction first without also having to deal with the drug addiction, the drug withdrawal. Um, So in my experience, Breaking the habit of smoking is much harder than coping with the drug withdrawal. And trying to do both of them at the same time is kind of a recipe for failure.
0: It's interesting, though, that you talked about kind of the stigma or the fact that people are so hard on themselves. Because I don't know how many of us have decided we're going to do a 30 day Zuma class or we're going to take up running or we're just going to limit our calories per day. And after day five, we quit or we give up. But we're not as hard on ourselves as we are with something like smoking. And that really is an addiction, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's the way I like to think of it too. We all have goals and resolutions that we set for ourselves that we end up um, not, maybe not achieving in the way that we hoped. But I think every attempt at achieving something that improves your health is a step in the right direction. Or I like to say, like, tools in your toolbox. So you learn something new every time. And I think that's the way it is. I mean, really, studies show that's the way it is with smoking. It can take up to, I mean, and even more than eight. Quit attempts before someone actually stays quit. And that is just because every time you quit, you learn something new. So I, li- I really like to think of it, of it as adding tools to your toolbox. And then maybe after the eighth try, you stay quit because you have all the tools that you need.
0: I like that. I like the way you're thinking on that. The toolbox is a good analogy too. Um, I think one of the things we hear from people is, you know, smoking is so bad for you and you need to stop for health reasons. But what are, you know, fact-based, right? We hear a lot of myths, I think sometimes, but what are the fact-based reasons that quitting smoking is so important for people?
1: So definitely for health issues. um, People who smoke definitely have an an increase of risk for things like heart attacks, uh, stroke, you know, it, longtime smokers can develop COPD, which is irreversible, um, cancer, diabetes, chronic respiratory infections. But then also um, thinking about the people around you that are experiencing second and third hand smoke, specifically children in your life tend to be um, the most susceptible to the, the effects of second and third hand smoke. So for thinking for health reasons, for yourself, and then also um, the people that you love.
0: Well, you mentioned a lot of the the health issues and I, what I didn't hear you saying, though, really was cancer. Are, are we still linking tobacco usage to a lot of cancers?
1: Yes, absolutely. That is um, high up on the list. Um, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head which cancers specifically outside of lung and throat, but it is linked to all types of cancers. Well, one of the questions
0: that we hear a lot when it comes to smoking is chain smoking. And I'm wondering, what does that actually mean? And and how frequently do you have to smoke to be considered a chain smoker?
1: You know, I don't know that there, I could be wrong. I don't know that there's like a a concrete definition. In my experience with people, they call themselves chain smokers. If they light up a cigarette, it burns out. They light up another one, it burns out you know, so you're smoking upwards of two packs a day, probably, or more. Um, You're basically taking in more of the cigarette smoke than oxygen is what happens. Um, So I would be interested to see if there's a a definition for chain smoker. But in my experience, that is what people that's how people define it. Well, and I think part
0: of the reason I was asking the question is, um, and I hear a lot of this, and I have family in the South, right? Where smoking is still, I think, a lot more common than in the Northwest where we are, although I, I know it's very common. But a lot of times they say, well, I only smoke here and there, so it's really not that bad for me. I mean, how often do you need to smoke for it to be bad for you?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. You would think that chain smoking is, you know, so much worse than smoking um, you know, two, three, four, five cigarettes a day, but really studies across the board show that most of the harmful effects from smoking result after just one cigarette. So that's why we really like to emphasize that there is no safe level of smoking. You're going to get those higher risks of of illnesses um, or higher chance of illnesses just from if you just smoked one cigarette a day.
0: And how how does vaping fit in there too? And I know you're really focused on the cessations part, so maybe it's not a fair question, but I also hear from a lot of people, well, I don't smoke cigarettes, I, I vape. So it's not the same thing. There's no health risks, but that's not true, is it?
1: It's not true. There is associated risk with vaping and you know studies are starting to come in since vaping has been around for a little bit longer now. But really, I think the take-home message with vaping is that Moving from smoking cigarettes to smoking an e-cigarette or a vape pen does reduce your risk. That being said, you, ne- you have to switch 100%. You can't vape most of the time but still smoke one cigarette a day because, like we mentioned, you're still going to get that, the adverse health effects just from that one cigarette. So if you're going to switch to vaping, switch 100% and then also realize that it's not good for you. It's just less bad for you than smoking.
0: See, y'all heard it here. Um, <laughs> you you mentioned the Quit for Good program, which is really the main reason we wanted to talk to you today because it's such a great program. Tell people how it's different from maybe other ways that they've tried to quit smoking in the past.
1: So um, studies show that people have the best chance of quitting if they use nicotine replacement therapy in conjunction with a group-based tobacco cessation class that's at least four weeks in length. So that's kind of how we... Um, came up with the length of the class. So Quit for Good is a free four-week program. It goes into detail about all the components of quitting smoking. Um, the coaches that that teach that program uh, support people around setting a quit date, how to properly use nicotine replacement therapy, which I think is just so important, um, how to cope with the habit of quitting smoking, stress management. I mean, we cover it all. So I think, it, in my opinion, it's different because we look at quitting smoking for the whole person versus how can we get you off the drug nicotine. So when you
0: say nicotine replacement, is that what layman term we would consider like the nicotine
1: gum or the patch? Yeah, exactly. So nicotine replacement therapy comes in a lot of different forms. Um, I think the most common is the gum and the patch. There's also lozenges, inhalers, nasal sprays. um, And then there's some prescription only medications that doctors can prescribe um so some of these therapies obviously they have nicotine in them they help you to slowly taper off drug use um some actually act on nicotine receptors in the brain so they make smoking less appealing some of these medications actually make smoking very um repulsive to someone who is so it basically forces them to quit but they end up wanting to um and then the therapies can be used together as well and they actually provide more more benefit for the person trying to quit when they're combined.
0: Well, when you're talking about about replacement, you also probably have to address kind of the withdrawal that goes along with not having nicotine as often, right? How What, what does nicotine withdrawal look like? How long does it last? How bad is it?
1: It looks very different for each person. Um, the The physical drug withdrawal from nicotine, if you went, let's say, cold turkey, so you quit smoking altogether um, and didn't have another cigarette, that would last for about four weeks. Um, With nicotine replacement therapy, hopefully you're not having any actual physical nicotine drug withdrawal, Um, but the psychological withdrawal from smoking can last much longer, so sometimes a year or longer for some people, Um, and both of these kind of combined can um, cause irritability, anxiety, depression, fatigue, um, increased coughing, headaches, inability to concentrate. It, it really varies from person to person. Um, but one thing I do just want to mention is that for some people quitting can cause suicidal thoughts. So if that is the case for you, just you know make sure to reach out to a loved one or your doctor um, and know that it is it's not uncommon to have that reaction.
0: I think, I, I know we're going to have to take a break here in a minute, but I do want to kind of come back to this because I want to talk a little bit about the mental health aspects of, of smoking cessation as well. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the other psychological effects, but we do have to take a quick break. So we are going to do that. But when we come back, we're going to have more questions on smoking cessation.
2: Sent to me. for you Picking in the kitchen and I'm in a bedroom I don't need a lift They say I'm pumping through hoops my love And there's nothing I wouldn't do But I won't do searching for you Perfect, perfect Good to get to be. True.
0: Talk with the Doc is backed with our guest, Katie. We're talking about quitting smoking for good. And right before we took a break, Katie, you mentioned that a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but some people who go through, you know, cessation for smoking may experience mental health issues or mental health thoughts. How do you weave mental health in kind of to the core of your program?
1: Um, So we do a lot of chatting and education around how smoking can affect your mental health because not only can the drug withdrawal or and the psychological withdrawal affect your mental health but also quitting smoking um sometimes feels like an identity shift for some people from a smoker to a non-smoker your life can just look very different the way you cope with things is different smoking is a very it, it's a coping mechanism for a lot of people, whether that looks like I've had a really long day, I deserve a cigarette or I'm very stressed. I need to step outside for a cigarette that way it can just kind of calm down. So we do a lot of talking about how to um, face these, you know, stressful events or harder events in life without cigarettes um, as a crutch, and then also um, making it through that initial withdrawal um, where, your mental health may suffer a little bit. Well,
0: you mentioned, you know, that it's a coping mechanism, but I know for some people, it's also kind of like a a social activity, a way to kind of fit in or something that they do when they're out and about. How does the societal impact of smoking cessation uh, work?
1: I think it can go both ways. I think smoking is less acceptable in our society than it used to be. So some people feel this, peer pressure to quit smoking or an embarrassment around smoking. Um, and then on the flip side of that, obviously, if you're trying to quit smoking and you have a group of friends or family members that smoke and you guys go out for a drink or two, it's nearly impossible to not, you know, to not smoke with them. So I think it can work both ways. And I always encourage people if they do have a lot of people in their lives that are smoking, or they do a lot of activities such as, well, alcohol just pops into my head or or even like drinking coffee um, that really tempt them to smoke to avoid some of those things for a while.
0: What about family? I know in a lot of the work that Providence does, whether it be whole person care, palliative care, cancer, everything, there's always kind of this family component. When you're stopping smoking, does does your family play a role in that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think just like the last question, I think it can go both ways. We um, in, in the class, we talk about, you know, how to communicate effectively with people who are unsupportive, because if there are people in your life that are still smoking, they can feel very threatened by your attempt to quit. So being around people who support you in your quit attempt can um, be the difference between whether it works or not. So we we talk a lot about um, creating a social support system. And if you do have a, a, a family that is unsupportive, how you can take a step back from those people until you are able to um, basically kind of get far enough in your quit attempt that it's not going to feel too overwhelming to be around them. It makes sense. Yeah. Well,
0: I, I don't know if you know this or not, but we open up our topics to our listeners on social media and we pulled some questions for you. Um, and I'm just gonna kind of run through a few of them. Um, and the first one is Am I gonna gain weight if I quit smoking or is that a myth?
1: That's a great question. I hear I get that question more often than any other question, especially from women. Um, it's not a simple yes or no answer. Some people do gain weight when they quit smoking. Um, The hand-to-mouth stimulation of eating is very, very comforting for most people when they're quitting smoking. So I always tell people, if it's comforting you, do it. You need comfort during this time. Um, However, the weight gain that people experience is usually a small amount. Uh, Studies show about five to 10 pounds. And then it will usually come off after about six months after quitting when your eating habits kind of return to normal. Um. It's also really important to remember that gaining weight will never, ever have the health consequences that smoking does. So if you're most concerned about health, quitting is still your best bet, even if you gain weight.
0: You know, you you talked a little bit earlier about kind of how long that nicotine withdrawal is. And I think you said, you know, even up to four weeks or whatever. How long does it really take to quit smoking? and, And how do you like, how do you define that as a success? Like, okay, I've actually quit now.
1: That's a good question. I feel like that is up. It's very individual. Um, when people, sometimes we have people come to class that have already quit smoking that are looking for more support. And I think people consider themselves quit smoking at any point in the road, honestly. I mean, I've had people in class from, you know, I quit smoking a week ago to I quit smoking six years ago and I'm having a really stressful event. I want to, I want to start smoking again. So Um, I think it's just defined by the individual and how they feel about it. I always tell people, if you, you know, if you quit for a day, you quit smoking, consider it a quit attempt, basically.
0: Well, it's it's interesting kind of how you think about how people are handling things. Because you also talked a little bit about it being a coping mechanism. And you know one of the questions we got was from Tom from Facebook. And he said, "Is such a stressful time for me with the pandemic. People are losing their jobs. Is now really the right time to stop? Won't it add to my stress? But I feel like there's never a bad time to stop, right?
1: Right. There is never a bad time to stop. The caveat to that is Stress is one of the number one reasons that people continue to smoke. It is also the number one reason that people return to smoking after quitting. So I always encourage people to really take a good look at their level of readiness. And if someone is saying, I have a lot of stress right now, I feel like quitting smoking is gonna just kind of push me over the edge. Um, I, I like to ask them what they feel like they can do. So if you can't commit to completely quitting, Can you taper down your use so that when you're ready to quit it, it might be a bit easier? Can you switch to an e-cigarette? Can you use nicotine replacement therapy to replace half of your cigarettes? Um, Like we talked about earlier, there really is no safe level of smoking and smoking is probably, if you smoke, it's probably the best thing you can do for your health to quit. So I don't think there's ever a bad time, but also I think you have to be in the, the correct mental state to really commit to it.
0: Well, you mentioned that some people have already quit when they come to you. Is is smoking quitting kind of like, like, well, any other addiction, right? Like alcohol. Sometimes people go for many years to a support group or sometimes they go for, you know, just during the holidays. Do you encourage people to find support groups or even come to your program if they're feeling like they want to start again?
1: Yeah, I do. You know, we used to have a, a tobacco cessation support group, and I believe there's still one here in Spokane. Um, but I definitely encourage people to do that. It, I think quitting smoking is, is a little different than quitting alcohol, but I also think that it's the same type of things. Um, you know, big life events that happen to people where they end up returning to smoking and they they almost get blindsided by it. You know, they, they don't see it coming. It's just that, uh, you know, that, um, That reaction kicks in, and they think, "Oh, I just I need a cigarette." So, if you have support around you, or if you're going to a support group for um, addiction, I think any of those tools that you learn at like an AA or a um, NA is can be applied to smoking as well.
0: I've heard you mention e-cigarettes a few times, and and we did have a question come in from uh, Ryan on Instagram, and he said, "Will e-cigarettes help me quit?" I don't, for for those of us who don't know, what exactly is an e cigarette? How's it different? And is that part of kind of like a a transitional process?
1: So, an e cigarette is, um, what do they call them? ENDS, electronic nicotine delivery system. So, they're all kind of built differently, but basically, um, the nicotine is in a liquid that's vaporized by the electronic pin that you can smoke. So, We don't recommend e-cigarettes as a nicotine replacement therapy. Big tobacco um, advertises them in that manner, but they're not approved by the FDA as a smoking cessation tool. However, you can reduce your health risk by switching to an e-cigarette, but that's not to say that it's gonna be easier to quit the e-cigarette than it would have been to just quit smoking altogether. So um, I just like to tell people They're better than smoking, but they're still not good for you.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I guess for some people, maybe it's better than nothing, but I hear what you're saying
1: for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, Are there any, I know we talked a little bit about nicotine withdrawal. We we talked a little bit about weight gain, but are there any other side effects to smoking cessation?
1: I kind of see side effects as um, the withdrawal symptoms in my mind. Um, There's nothing about quitting smoking, that's dangerous for you. Like if we think about side effects from like a medication or something, but um, yeah, I mean, you'll definitely experience some super unpleasant things when you're quitting smoking. What is the success rate that
0: you have in this program? Because, you know, we got this question from a number of people, which is I've tried several times. I always go back. How is this going to work for me? And what are the odds that I'm going to, I'm going to make it this time?
1: Yeah, that's a good question and such a fair question to ask when you've tried quitting over and over. I, to be completely honest, I am not sure of the actual success rate of our Quit for Good program because we don't do long-term follow-up with um, participants after they complete the class. Most people who quit during the class, stay quit for the duration of the class. Of course, that's a short period of time. It's four weeks. Um, And I really don't have an easy answer as far as will this really work? You know, for someone who's tried so many times. But like we've talked about, you know every time you try to quit smoking, you're adding to your resources. So this might be the time that it works. Um, especially combined you know, if you combine the nicotine replacement therapy with this four week um, class or or another type of group class, you have your best chance of quitting. That's what studies show.
0: Well, it's, you know, it's almost like practice, right? We get better each time. So you just never know when it might be the time. Um, yeah. Is there is there an average age for your group or are you seeing people come in younger, older? I know that we're hearing so many things these days about high schoolers vaping and everything. Are you seeing a reduction in age?
1: That's a great question. I feel like I see people across the board, um, but I definitely think our average age is is over probably 50 um i'd say 50 to 70 but i have had many people younger than that in class as well so i'm not sure if trending over time we've we've been getting younger people i do find that when i chat with younger people they are not as concerned about the health implications of vaping and smoking and i think those things start to those thoughts start to kick in as as you get older, or you start to actually feel the health consequences. So that might be why.
0: Do you think, well, I guess maybe you probably would have the data to to back it up or not. But is it harder to quit smoking if you've been smoking a longer time? Like, I think about my grandparents, and they just kept saying, I've been smoking for 50 years, I'm never going to be able to stop. But does it really have an impact? Or is it more individual or psychological?
1: I think as far as the drug withdrawal goes, um, there is a threshold there, whether you, I don't know it off the top of my head, but there is a threshold for how long you've been smoking that can make the withdrawal, the actual drug withdrawal more unpleasant, give you more side effects. Um, but definitely the psychological withdrawal is going to be harder for someone who's smoked, say, 50 years because smoking is such a habitual thing that we do. I mean... If you think about waking up in the morning and I know the first thing I do is go straight to my coffee pot and I've been doing that since high school, you know, if someone told me I couldn't do that anymore, I would feel so lost. And I think that's how people who smoke, that's how they feel. So, you're like you're asking them to give up such an integral part of their everyday routine and so the longer you've practiced that, the harder it can be to find new replacement behaviors.
0: I think that makes sense. Let's talk, I think we have time for one more question. If, you know, and kind of talking about how long you've been smoking and, and so forth, and you mentioned maybe younger people have less health concerns, but one of the questions we had came in that, you know, when you stop smoking, the improvement to your health can be not just dramatic, but can be surprisingly fast. I think somebody said that they heard that tar starts clearing from your lungs in as short as a month. Is, is that true? And are the health impacts different based on how long you've been smoking?
1: Yeah, that is true. Um, it it's actually pretty cool. It can be gross. People find it a little gross because they start coughing stuff up. But it's a good sign. Um, and this is actually one of my favorite things to talk about with people. So you can see health improvements um, in as little as 24 hours, and then they the health improvements just continue to increase over a span of five to 15 years um, at the high end. But after five years of being quit, someone um, some people's stroke risk is decreased to that of someone who has never smoked before. Basically, all of the health risks that you accumulate while smoking um, can be reversed with a few exceptions. One of them being COPD, you can't reverse the effects of that. But um, overall, um, you can dramatically improve your health very quickly when you quit smoking. So that's um, very encouraging.
0: Well, I always like to let people uh, finish the, the segment with us. Is there anything we didn't cover today that you want people to
1: know? You know, when I talk about smoking cessation, I hope that it doesn't come across in uh, such a negative way that people think, "Oh, I could never do it." I really I think it is one of the hardest things that people will, will embark on in their life, but I just from being a health educator and helping people through their addiction, I do believe that every person intrinsically has the ability to quit smoking. And so if if you're really thinking about it um, and you're right, kind of maybe right on the edge, I would say give it a try or come to class, even if you're not ready, um, but you feel like maybe you could be ready soon, come and get those tools and um, just see how you feel. Some people come to class with no intention of quitting and they they feel inspired by, you know, week three or four and they decide to quit. So I think that would be my ending thought.
0: Well, I think I would agree with you that there's no harm in trying, right? Or no harm in learning more about it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Katie Mache, for joining us today on Talk with the Doc, and to everyone for listening and sending in your questions. We look forward to future topics with more experts from Providence. Make sure to listen to future podcasts on Dash Radio under the Future of Health Radio or on your favorite podcast network. Be sure to follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health System. To learn more about our missions, programs, and services, visit providence.org. Thanks for listening.